0: Log entry, soul 640. You may be abandoned to die in space, but at least you have a lifetime supply of potatoes and the Red Pages podcast. episode 60 of the red pages podcast. I'm Paul. I'm Gord. I'm
1: Andy. There we go. And uh... <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be in that part or not. <laughs> yeah, you did it. you did it perfectly. Through the power of
0: uh magic editing, it will seem like it was a completely seamless uh, transition and none of that will have happened. Uh Justin is currently out due to uh, him having to do like school things. He's a very important person now, so, uh, he will, probably, yeah. Yeah, he will probably be joining us later. Uh, but for the time being, uh, we have our guest, um, Andy Weir? I don't, yep. Not entirely sure. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Weir. I have not actually heard how your last name pronounced, so I'm going off of my
1: right, right first try. Best guess. Yes.
0: All right. <laughs> um, so for people who may not know who you are, why don't you introduce yourself a bit?
1: Well, I'm Andy Weir, and I wrote the book The Martian. Um, It's a New York Times bestseller, and they made a movie out of it, and the movie comes out uh, October 2nd. Yeah, starring Donald Glover and Matt Damon. Yes, (laughs) Donald Glover being the lead. (laughs) Actually, I believe it's pronounced Childish Gambino. Right, Uh,
0: yes. (laughs) Yeah, so why don't we start with what we've been up to this past week. Um, Gord, why don't you start us off?
2: All right. This week, I finished Seventies, and I've got a lot to say about it. <laughs> I'm very conflicted. I'm not hmm. really sure.
1: I've heard about. I I've 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 had Seventies recommended to me by pretty much everyone I know, um, mm. and, except for him, that that baby there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. So you're conflicted. Interesting. I, I haven't read it yet. I plan to. It's. <clears throat> I'm
2: a I'm a diehard Stevenson fan. Uh, <laughs> I think I might have read everything that he's that he's published anyway. Uh, this is not on my favorite, on my list of favorite uh, ten favorite uh, Stevenson books. It's uh it's it's got a whole lot of technical details, uh that I feel bogged down a lot. Oh, You're gonna be a problem this week, aren't you? This is just
0: gonna be one of those nights. Or one of those mornings for board.
1: Oh uh, and we've got a guest this time. <laughs> are you it's morning where you are? <laughs> yeah. Where are you? Are you in the UK or no? I'm in, in Japan. That that makes more sense. In the UK it is morning, but it's two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh and the uh, the pacing is a little strange.
2: Every time it starts to get exciting, there's a mass extinction or the book ends.
1: Oh. In uh, we're, we're we're talking about seven Eves? Yeah. Okay. Cause I don't remember either of those things happening in the Martian. Well that's not true <laughs> it does end.
2: So yes, one of those sure.
1: things does happen.
2: Yeah. I uh I, I think that uh the contrast between seven Eves and the Martian is uh is an interesting one. Hmm. But let's talk about that in the uh interview segment. Okay. Paul, what have you been doing? Um We didn't have a show last week,
0: so I didn't get to talk about this then, Um, but two weekends ago I went to uh, go see the North American uh, League Championship Series Finals in uh, Madison Square Garden, which was super cool. Um, I have a whole bunch of pictures and videos on my Instagram, and it's mainly just like a roar of people screaming and yelling and having a very good time uh, watching League of Legends. And I had a pretty good time as well. It was very fun. Um, would like to do it again. Uh, but typically those, uh, games are played in LA, which not so easy for me to get to. Um, I've been spending a lot of my time watching Mr. Robot. Uh, and I wasn't interested in watching it to begin with, but because it looked like, uh, every other piece of media that deals with um, hackers, um, like at least superficially from like the trailers, but it turns out to be actually really good. And I'm trying my hardest to, I was trying my hardest to finish it um, before, or finish up to the last released episode today, um, but it was not meant to be and I'm still trying to get through it, but it's very good. I'm really enjoying it.
1: It's funny. I, I liked it for a while but um i i got really annoyed by the prison break episode and i haven't watched any of the ones after that i i will go back to it but uh that one kind of made me mad
0: really that that's actually might be the last episode i actually got to watch um like just before recording this podcast uh what bothered you about that episode
1: well it it's it's Um, so the rest of the show is actually pretty realistic to hacking. I mean, I was a computer programmer for 25 years. I was not a hacker, but I mean, I, you know, I know, I know computers, right? And, um, they did a reasonably good job kind of accurately portraying how hacking works. Now, the, the prison break thing, they just move off into the kind of like back to the old, like, oh, hackers can do anything kind of silliness that, uh, that Mr. Robot had set itself apart from you know mm. and then also <clears throat> i i really really hate the we've kidnapped your girlfriend you have to do stuff for us plot yeah which is just like just i mean it makes me mad when i see that kind of lazy writing it really upsets me <laughs> so i'm i'm a little sh- I, I i'm i'm really picky on on a lot of stuff but uh, no, i totally i told
0: totally understand that was like definitely the one part of that entire sequence style was just like I, also, I just kept thinking, like, they're going to kill her and it's going to suck, and I, I don't want it to happen, but I can already see it happening, because this is how these plot lines go.
1: Right, well, also, like, all all characters in that story, uh, all characters in that episode who are, you know, pretty smart people. I mean, Elliot's really smart, the, the gangster guy who's in jail is really smart. I mean, he's a bad guy, but he's really smart. You know, I mean, yeah. every, everybody's really smart, and they're all doing stupid things. It's like, why did Elliot think that the gangster would keep his word? Why didn't the gangster kill Elliot when he was done? Why, you know, it's like all these things just don't make any sense. A- anyway, so that one annoyed me. I will go back to it, no doubt. But I, I also think there's been some uh, real inconsistency in Mr. Robot. I, I can kind of smell the uh, maybe the studio or the network getting involved and in making demands that the writers didn't want to do. Because the first episode was beautiful. It shows his, like, complete um, complete personality disorder problems, right? I mean, he's really right. a crippled individual. He, like, cries in the corner because he's so lonely. Like, they even said in the narration, he says, like, I'm so horribly lonely that I, I cry in the corner. And then, like, five minutes later of screen time, he's having sex with this beautiful downstairs neighbor. And I'm like, okay, those two things don't jive. <laughs> right, yeah. And he also, like, hates being touched. Even if you, like, shake his hand, he, like, shirks away and like freaks out okay then once again i'm asking how 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 exactly does the sex with the downstairs neighbor work (laughs) so anyway very carefully (laughs) apparently no no touching involves no touching no touching sex yeah yeah exactly i don't know so it's like a few things like that bug me but i'll go back to it i've been taking up too much i mean over
0: like it's like 90 percent consistent with what they've set up and like how the world and people work but then the, there's that 10% that is just, like, a little bit too Hollywood. Yeah. Um, that's frustrating. But it's still good enough for me to keep wanting to watch. So I'm probably going to finish that and be in time to catch the season finale next week, Um, which apparently got postponed due to... Uh,
1: yeah. So there to do being
0: some the similarity sh- with the shootings.
1: There was a shooting... um in the in Virginia, yeah, that one, yeah. And it was a, It seems really random that they postponed the finale for that. So I suspect the finale has a plotline similar to that. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's my guess.
0: Oh well. <laughs> uh, and uh, oh, and a lot of my time, actually, uh, this past week has been uh, just reading The Martian. I thought I would like pace myself, but then I just finished it in like two and a half days. Sweet, that's Um, what I like to hear. (laughs) Yeah, no, I haven't, like, read that much in such a short setting uh, since, like, I was reading Harry Potter in middle (laughs) school. So that was, like, a complete delight. And I'm excited to talk about it more later. So, yeah. Andy, what have uh, you done in your past week or however long?
1: Um, well, let's see. In the past week, mostly I've been doing lots and lots of interviews, um, in the run-up to the film release, the marketing effort is in high gear and I'm kind of doing my little part of that. Um, this most recent week was pretty calm. The week before that, uh, I was in, um, I was in Southern California and I visited JPL and, oh, well, I watched a cut of the film, so I got to see the movie for the first time. And then, um... I was in JPL and I got to meet Matt Damon and Ridley Scott. I got to meet, I'd, I'd never met them before. Uh, so it was, it was a pretty cool week for me. <laughs> oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. Was the film any good? Uh, no, it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, it's great. It's awesome. I love it. And it's testing extremely well. Um, oh, so It's good to hear. I'm, we're pretty optimistic about it. Um, the premiere, well, the, okay, so the, like the red carpet event is uh in it's on the 11th Uh, so it's actually like three weeks before the release which is the sort of thing that studios do when they have a lot of confidence in a movie because it means there's going to be a good solid three weeks of reviews and stuff like that in the newspaper before the film comes out which is what they it's kind of how a studio puts their money where their mouth is they're like all right we're going to let reviewers see it and review it and do all this stuff like way in advance. Um, you don't see that when they don't have faith in a movie. That's when you start seeing things like, oh, OK, the reviewers will get a chance to see it one day before the release or something.
2: <laughs> After the release. Have to, they have to watch it with everyone else <laughs> at the release.
1: Oh, you want to review the movie? Well, you better get in line.
2: <laughs> it's probably not going to be in Japan until. 2017 or something i don't know i, I don't know these are really
1: far behind here
2: oh okay uh, well,
0: you got you got the avengers like only like a couple months last month
2: oh
1: uh the avengers like not ultron but
2: <laughs> <laughs> no it was uh it was ultron. okay <laughs> good all right are we ready to transition into games sure sweet <laughs> I've been playing Duelist, which is a uh, deck building tactics game. Uh, uh so it's kind of like is the uh, one
0: that Heartstone. we had um those did we have the developers on for that one at some point?
2: No, that was uh that was Elliot's game. Uh that was the heavily driven by uh poker odds and oh, stuff. Oh, that was that was uh, Prismata. That was Yeah. Uh this one, uh it's like a Hearthstone except you place your summons onto a grid. And then move them around, and you can uh, get bonus damage by attacking from positions of advantage and stuff. Okay. So it,
0: that that reminds me of the
2: uh, old—I don't know—it was like a Wizards of the Coast
0: figurine game on hex, hex grid. Mm, I don't remember what it's called, but they like they were uh, remaking it called like Duels of the Planeswalkers or something like that.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely informed by Magic: The Gathering. Uh, yeah, that is beta right now. I, there might not actually be any keys left. Uh, uh, but uh, hmm. if you go for it, I'm sure you might be able to find something. Uh, and Diablo Three, <laughs> Because there is a cross-promotion in Heroes of the Storm, where you get a free mount for getting to level 70 in uh, the latest season.
0: Oh, was, was that the only part that you were actually interested? Getting the uh, mount deal mount or whatever?
2: Yeah, but as somebody in Reddit said, uh, <laughs> the real cost to Malthales Mount is getting addicted to Diablo 3 again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I know the feeling. Anyway,
2: Paul, what have you been playing?
0: Um, I've been playing a reasonable amount of uh, League of Legends, um, enough to start, like, a, uh, or to stop the withdrawal syndromes of uh, playing too much League of Legends. And uh, as I tried to, you know, wrap myself into playing a lot more Diablo 3 instead. Uh, Because I'm super excited for this season. And I have probably already spent too many of the possible hours I've had playing Diablo 3 since that patch. I
2: hit
0: hit Paragon 100 the season today, which was... um, Wow. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I've definitely put too much time in. Uh, but it's great. My, my demon hunter is looking super awesome. We're gonna be shooting multi shots like crazy soon. And, uh, and, and no one's going to be around to see it because, uh, you don't play at the same time that I do for the most part. <laughs> oh well. Um, I watched my friend, uh, hit Legend in Hearthstone yesterday. Um, Ooh. yeah, he li- li- literally, I think eight hours before the, uh, deadline, uh, before, uh, the cutoff point, I just saw him, he was like rank one and just trying to do the grind to get to Legend, and he did it after like three hours or something like that, and it was pretty cool. Um And, and then we all played Diablo, and that was cool also. Yeah, and that's it, I, I'm just going to try to continue to be playing Diablo and not doing much of anything for the next couple of days. Sweet.
2: Andy, what have you been playing?
1: Well, I don't play uh video games really. I'm I just I haven't been into video games in quite a while, but I play a lot of board games, so I don't know if you guys are into that. Excellent. Those that, are those absolutely. are great. We're
0: all into board games.
1: Okay. I'm I'm a board game geek for sure and I've got uh I got a bunch of friends and we we play pretty regularly. Uh one that I'm on right now that you, you know how it is with board games. It's it's like a flavor of the month. Ask me next month, I'll give you a completely different answer. But right now, uh we're playing a lot of Hanabi, which is a cooperative game um it's hard to describe but it's 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 fun to play and it's uh it's pretty good it's like you end up you end up you end up in a lot of situations where you have to use a lot of logic and 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 working stuff out to try to to try to all collectively score as high as possible um some classics that i like all the time and i'm always up for playing are power grid and bonanza and stone age so those are all those are all games I like a lot. No Catan. Uh, I mean, I okay. So like years ago, <laughs> I went through a a Catan addiction, and I mean, played a lot. But after a while, you kind of get sick of it. <laughs> so yeah. I played, you know, a bajillion games of Catan. My friends and I made our own variant. Ooh. Yeah, it was What's fun. That? We we had these. So we use the uh, we use the um, edge pieces from the Seafarers set. Um, and, um, so that makes a big board, a big, you know, empty, uh, hex grid that you can put hexes in. And then we'd use these tables and roll dice and it'll say like, oh, okay, you put a clay here or you put a wheat here and it fractally generates the land and sea. So you end up with this archipelago of like islands and ocean in there. And then you, you, uh, you play the objective is instead of, um, playing to 10 points, you're playing to 12 and uh, you can build bridges, which are uh, clay and wood and two stone. So bridges are very expensive to build, but it connects islands to each other, right? So you've got, yeah. And then um, you can pay, and I forget what it was, but you can build a port. So all the ports are are, are just on the side initially. And you, you, it's first come, first serve. It's whoever, you're like, I'm going to build a wheat port. And so you build it, and you choose where it goes, so you can build it right under one of your settlements that's already on the ocean or whatever nice yep and and so we we played that a lot <laughs> oh there's also there's a pirate um there's a a pirate and uh a, a robber, and when a seven comes up, you can move either one of them, and um the pirate prevents you from building on any building bridges on any of the uh adjacent edges. That's uh, but that's a that's a variant on Catan that uh, my friends and I used to play. I don't we don't play it much anymore. I bet you uh, my wife would uh, be interested in coming up with something
2: like that. It's fun. Yeah. (laughs) William, what have you been playing? Quick mute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been playing with this box. It's got a bunch of different shaped holes in the sides, (laughs) (laughs) and there are a bunch of uh, things that you can. Push in, like numbers and shapes, yeah in the different colors. Oh now he's quiet. <laughs> okay. All right, let's talk about the Martian. We can do that. Uh, Paul, I might ask you to take the lead with the questions because I might have to ride the mute button. <laughs> yeah, that, that is perfectly fine. So we have a
0: whole bunch of uh, guest questions or as our helpful uh, spread our document says questions. Uh, for
2: you. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Very Uh <laughs> So, uh, we have, uh, C. Wraith, who has, uh, three questions for you, and I'll just go through them, and I guess you can answer them one by one. Uh, so, how much of the science have obsessive fans, uh, confirmed or cried foul on?
1: <laughs> well, for the most part, they've confirmed it. Um, there was one deliberate concession I made to reality, which is, um... The uh the the a sandstorm on Mars, a storm on Mars does wouldn't actually damage anything. In reality Mars' atmosphere is too thin to have any real inertia. So a hundred and fifty kilometer an hour storm would feel like a one kilometer an hour breeze on Earth. It would do no damage. And I knew that when I wrote it. I just deliberately looked the other way because it was a man versus nature story and I wanted nature to get the first shot in. Um Then, uh, uh, let's see, there were some other minor things, like um, I I was very hand-wavy on the radiation. Like, there's actually quite a lot of uh, radiation that you get exposed to on a mission like that. And I just said, oh, yeah, all that stuff shielded from radiation. Boom. But um, in reality, that's a pretty big deal. It would take, you know, 10 centimeters of water to block the incoming radiation from being outside of Earth's magnetic field and atmosphere. And so it's... It's a non-trivial issue. It's a big issue that now, that the real world has to solve for Mars exploration that I just kind of, like, ignored. Um, some minor things that I didn't do on purpose are, um, well, let's see, um, since the book has been released. Oh, so in the book, uh, the protagonist has to do all this stuff to make water. It's a big plot point. It's a big, huge issue for him. Since the book has been released, uh, the Curiosity probe on Mars... You know, took a scoop of uh, soil and said, wow, this stuff's like completely full of water. Turns out, (laughs) yeah, it turns out for every cubic meter of Martian soil, there's about 35 liters of water in it. Oh wow! So it's all he had to do was bring dirt inside and heat it up. But I can still (laughs) kind of get away with that one because um, the book takes place in Acidalia Planitia and Curiosity is in Gale Crater, which is like 5,000 kilometers away. So... Just like Earth, Mars doesn't have a single uniform climate. It has different regions where the climate is different. Just like we have the Sahara and we have, you know, the Antarctica. Mars also has, like, very different climates over its surface. So I can say, oh, well, Acidalia Planitia is a desert and there isn't that water in the soil. And no one can prove me wrong until they send a probe. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is just a dare to NASA.
0: Prove me wrong. Yeah, well... This yeah, sure. If it's worth Mars.
1: it. It causes them to send a Mars probe, then I'd, I'd feel fairly good about that. Yeah,
2: sweet, nice. <laughs> that leads into uh, a question further on, which uh, I'd like to bump up. Uh, how long before the uh, the, the recent uptick in, of interest in NASA in fictional stories feeds back into more support for NASA?
1: Um, that's an interesting question. People ask that a lot, and I don't really have an answer because I don't understand the. the um, pretty far from being an expert on how PR and and like politics and congressional funding and stuff like that works. So I have no idea. But also a lot of people are making sort of a hidden assumption. They say like, oh, look, stories like Interstellar and The Martian and Gravity are increasing public interest and awareness in space. And that's causing an uptick. I'm like, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe public interest in space is increasing on its own. And that causes Things like Gravity, Interstellar, and The Martian to be, you know, commercially successful. Hmm. And Apollo 13. And Apollo 13. Yep. <laughs> right, exactly. A little bit, a, a little bit further back our Apollo 13. That's 95. <laughs> That's like 20 years old now. It's... I mean, the movie, not the events. <laughs> right. The events happened 45 years ago. Wow. Yep. So...
0: Uh, Cereth also asks, uh, "What was the process like converting a uh, novel to a movie, or like, were you even that much involved in that process?"
1: Mostly, my job was to cash the check, mm. but uh, it's not a not a bad no, job. <laughs> no, no, I, I think I did it pretty well. Um, but they they didn't have to involve me at all, but they chose to involve me, which was nice. Um, uh, sorry, hang on. Uh, they chose to involve me, which was pretty cool. And, uh, so Drew Goddard, who wrote the screenplay, um, called me frequently, uh, during the process and, um, and asked me questions and stuff. He, he just wanted to make it as true to the original book as possible. Also, they sent me revs of the screenplay for feedback and I gave feedback. They made some changes based on it and ignored other things. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's Drew's screenplay. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. His final question was, uh,
0: whether the movie version had corrected anything the fans said wouldn't work in the novel, but it seems like there wasn't too much that they could change, I guess.
1: Right. Um no, I, I the the film version doesn't do anything that you'd call like a correction, I don't think.
0: They just made it more Hollywood, less correct.
1: <laughs> yeah, I well, noticed in trailer too, uh they gave Watney a family. Uh they didn't. That's just no, no they did not. It's clever editing on the trailer. Ah, the family you see on that screen is Martinez's family, and that's Martinez's hand on the screen. I see. Yeah, no, Lotney doesn't have a family. Or, <laughs> <laughs> he's got his parents and stuff, but that's just yeah. It's it's yeah that that it's very sneaky editing, and it's been in all three trailers. So, well, two trailers and the TV spot, and it's like, eh, I get that question a lot. <laughs> good, good
0: job, uh, editing team, for that trailer. You tricked yes, us very, all.
1: very sneaky. Well, it's probably, I more for that they guy. probably thought, okay, we need to do this to draw women in, but all the test audiences, the women like it even more than the men. Oh, sweet. So.
0: The rugged survival, uh, survivalism of a, uh, botanist mechanical engineer in space.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, cause I don't, I don't know, you know, exactly what they did and didn't like, I, I didn't see all the like breakdown data, but, um, I'm guessing women, a, like looking at Matt Damon and B, uh, they probably like the strong uh, female characters, right? It's like, right. When you're watching a movie, you tend to project your yourself into someone who's the same gender in the story, and so. But the the female characters in the Martian have are are competent and important, and their decisions matter and they affect the plot. So, I think that's I think I think women like that. <laughs> mm. And Matt Damon. And they they also like Matt Damon, yeah. Damon Glover. <laughs> you hey, know, sure. A, a lot of the women, a certain age demographic. <laughs> no. Yep. Uh,
0: so, not God broad, uh became aware of The Martian after watching the trailer. Uh, would you recommend him to read the book first or watch the movie
1: first? Book first, book first, book first, book first. All right. <laughs> <Emetic> <laughs> answers. You should buy several copies of the book. Uh, you know, no, I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, why not? You can have a copy for every room of your uh, house or apartment.
1: Well, it's also been translated into thirty-five languages, so you're probably going to want to get one copy of each of those, right? I but mean, just in if, case. <laughs> you don't want to invite some friends over and they're like, "Where's your Macedonian version of The Martian?" I'm disgusted <laughs> with you. And you know
0: uh so flay otters asks uh in the Martian what me benknowns what' these uh, the... usernames <laughs> <laughs> these are great usernames they're like mostly pronounceable this time uh which is
1: always a plus anyway, gigantic um... turgid member has a <laughs> <laughs> uh, so flay Otters, So, they, <laughs> uh, flay, flay otters actually
0: This is very uh good play. Otters playing. Uh, oh,
1: otters like the sea creatures. Yeah, the sea marsupials oh, play or otters. whatever. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah,
0: so uh, play otters as in the Martian. Watney bemoans the fact that even back on Earth, a botanist slash mechanical engineer doesn't exactly have ladies lined up at the door. I think to say that say that Mark isn't going to have that issue when he returns to Earth. Uh,
1: yeah, well, he is an astronaut. I mean, yeah, it's true. Astronauts that's pretty that. much like yeah. That's all you need. <laughs> That's probably all you need. So, yeah. <laughs> um, the that, actual that? question um, oh, is
0: that uh, you've spoken on many occasions uh, regarding your fear of flying. If we were ever to develop and implement a successful space elevator, would you consider participating in space flight?
2: Nope. All no. right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would not go into space. That's understandable. Yep. Studs asks, is Mark, Mark
1: Wadney a uh, cleaned up archer for space? A cleaned up What?
2: Archer.
1: Oh, no. I wrote the book before <laughs> Archer existed. Whoa. I started writing the book in 2009. Um, no, Mark Watney's personality is just mine. <laughs> it's just my own personality, but without my flaws. So he's kind of mm-hmm. the idealized version. He's what I wish I were.
0: Uh, well, I'll, I can say that uh, it, Like definitely I can see like a lot of uh, your wit being projected through uh, Mark Watney, but also through a lot of the other characters who have spoken lines in the book yeah there's a lot of sarcasm <laughs> yeah um and it kind of paints this uh, picture that everyone nasa is uh, sarcastic uh eh. to fault. <laughs> oh, i love
1: wait. that the 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 pr person is, has such a 30 any Montrose played by kristen wigg in the film talk about perfect casting oh yeah. nice
0: mesum 10 asks uh how was how has the announcement of the movie adaptation impacted your life i've always been curious as to what it is like to have something that one had worked on for so long become extremely popular
1: um it's really weird it's had a huge effect on my life of course it it drove book sales right through the roof uh, um i've got all these media and and press events that um are really new to me because i spent my life being a you know computer programmer who kind of hid in his house and wrote uh, as a hobby i'm not i'm not a particularly so no outgoing guy <laughs> yeah um yeah, it's had this huge effect, and of course, it's it's given me it, it's cracked open uh, Hollywood for me a bit to kind of sneak in there and and see if I can uh, see if I can wedge my way in there. I'm going to pitch a TV show and stuff like that, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be a uh, seventy sitcoms, but set in space. <laughs> no, not not exactly. No.
0: <laughs> okay, um, so that uh, ends our uh,
2: guest questions. Right. Questions. Uh, so some questions. <laughs> we have some other questions. This one is a, a bit of a paraphrase from uh, something that my, my wife wanted to ask, which is, why isn't The Martian super boring? It's a bunch of technical details in a field that I don't know anything about. And how did you balance it to keep everything moving so quickly?
1: Um, that was one of the biggest challenges for me. Uh, I needed the, writer, the reader to understand all the science behind what was going on, but I didn't want to... De- delusion with facts and figures i didn't want it to read like a wikipedia article so it was like a constant balancing act to make sure they understood mark's problems without boring them to tears i got away with it mostly because mark is a smart ass and so this ex the stuff he's explaining is fairly dry but the way he's explaining it is interesting and there's a lot of jokes and humor and so that was kind of the trick i think humor
2: <laughs> i think i think you did a uh, really good job thanks
1: yeah
0: the log format definitely helps uh, offset all of the uh, you because you can just like very easily put in a whole bunch of this technical stuff, which I actually found like super interesting the entire way. Anyways, because I'm like huge science nerd. Anyways, um, but then the, having the jokes at the end always makes it uh, a little bit easier to swallow.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the one of the main things is uh, well, the, the the people who didn't understand or didn't particularly care about the science what i've heard from them is they just kind of like skimmed those sections they're like yeah whatever i trust you that the math works out on this and the people who did care perused them you know and so <laughs> it was kind of I, I i got away with something there where uh i kind of like pleased both groups i i still kind of don't really know what i did right <laughs> uh, and not
2: dressed. Uh, is Seven Eves, which has, uh, 40 pages to describe one, uh, science fiction technological, uh, advancement where that, I don't know. It, uh, I feel like I'm being too critical because I liked his other books so much and this one just sort of.
1: Hmm. That's weird. You're yeah. the first person I've, uh, spoken to who had, you know, an, a negative, even, even, even a measured negative opinion. 70s, so... I'd still recommend it, but maybe uh, it's no Cryptonomicon. <laughs> right. Oh, by like the it's, way, it's... in answer to a question you were wondering about way earlier, uh, the release date in Japan is February 5th, 2016. Ah, thank you.
0: Right. Uh, so the Martians seem to grow organically. Are you finding the process uh, different for Zek uh, with the book deal up front?
1: Um, A little bit, although Zek is... um. A much more complicated story, so I think that's it's it's a lot more work. It's been a lot more effort for me, and I have to go back and rewrite chunks a lot more than I did in *The Martian*. I think because *The Martian* was very linear, very straightforward plot. It's like problem solution, problem solution, problem solution, climax done. You know, and *Jack* is is much more complicated. There's lots of side plots going on, and I you know, I have to balance things and and. Uh and yeah it's 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 a challenge and I don't have beta readers right I don't have 3000 people giving me their feedback now Right um, Great think
2: that <laughs> is the last of our questions Oh there's one more Oh one
1: more This
2: is a a question that we ask all of our guests what is
1: your favorite cheese My favorite cheese see I am a am a great lover of cheese I uh I like cheese in all of its forms I mean let's see what If you had to pick one. I think like a a really, really super sharp cheddar. Like the stuff that's aged, you know, the really high quality stuff. And uh, where it's like extremely tangy. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Yeah yeah and and even the ones that like uh when when you get them like really really super sharp and tangy like that, they'll have like kind of little crunchy bits like crystallized something in them. I don't quite know what it is, but it it gets it it's it's really good um one thing uh that's kind of funny is like uh so I'm going to the premiere of the Martian, it's in Toronto, and they're putting us up. I mean, Fox is paying for everything, and they're putting us up in the Toronto Ritz, right? And which is cool. And the I looked it up online and say like, oh, I wonder what's there. They have a cheese cave. I'll have you know, it's Canada's only cheese cave, and it's just like a big room dedicated to cheese. And I'm like almost as excited to go to the big room full of cheese as I am to watch the premiere of my movie. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, am a, I am a cheese fan.
2: Well, excellent. Thank you for joining us today. Sure thing. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, I know that I'm, uh, we are all here at the podcast excited about the movie.
1: Yeah. I'm excited uh, about the movie and the cheesecake.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, for our listeners, if you haven't yet, pick up The Martian. It's uh, in, in, in basically every, uh, over form of meat. 30 languages. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's on, uh, the Kindle. It's on, uh, it's in the library. It's at the bookstore. So uh
1: oh oh yeah, and the uh the audiobook. I thought I thought the audiobook was great. It was. Uh RC Bray is the narrator. He did a great job. He won an award for it. So, ah. And rightly so. So yeah. Any of these forms are available to you, the reader or listener. Run don't walk. Run don't walk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Alright guys. I'm gonna sign off, but uh thank you oh, very much uh, for having me.
0: Before you do thank you.
1: Um, okay, before I do uh
0: how uh if people want to like see your work, or your other work, or just, like, you know, find out more about you, is there any way that they can do so?
1: Um, yeah, you can go to com. has uh, a bunch of stuff. I also have just a sort of informal place where I dump casual writing, and that's a big, long URL, but you can find it pretty easy just by Googling for Andy Weir writing. All right, great, thank you. All righty. Okay, so uh, thanks for having me, guys, and uh, I don't know, typical sign-off platitude. <laughs> that, that works. It's better than our usual. All right. Yep. Bye, guys. Alright.
2: <laughs> if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can hit us on Twitter, at Red Pages Podcast, on Facebook, slash Red Pages Podcast, on Gmail, The Red Pages Podcast, at redpagespodcast.com. Thank you, and see you next week.
0: Sad that Justin couldn't be here. Mm. Oh, oh well. Screw you, Justin. Right, I'm Jeez. gonna stop recording now.